Welcome to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gabby. And we are two first-year physical therapy students sharing our grad school experiences to help PT students around the world. Embark on this journey with us as we navigate through the insanity of physical therapy school together. Looking for a gift for a friend, classmate, professor, co-host of a podcast, or really anyone? Physiomemes got your back with apparel, drinkware, and home decor. And if you go to physiomemes.com, you can get a 20% off coupon with the code gratitude, spelled G-R-A-D-I-T-U-D-E-2020. And don't forget to check out his social media for a good study break laugh. As always, make life humorous. Welcome to another episode of Gratitude, everyone. And for today's episode, we have a good friend of ours on the podcast. Kaylee is here, and we are so excited that you are here with us today and can't wait to hear more about your story. So if you want to tell everyone just first how you got uh, into physical therapy. Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I'm sure you've probably heard of me before. I've actually been on here before, which is kind of cool. I was in uh, with the female preneur with Angelica way when you guys started this podcast as like a baby. And it's so, so cool to see kind of like where we're at now. Like, this is amazing because I keep watching like all the things you're doing and I'm just like, man, they're such boss bitches. Like, this is amazing to like watch you guys like grow and like go forward and do all of that stuff. But anyways, if you don't know me, my name is Kaylee Simmerman. I'm a physical therapist. I graduated in, wow, 2016 with my doctorate. But what, that's not the question. The question is like, what drew me to physical therapy? Do you want to know what drew me to physical therapy or do you want to know women's health or both? We'll do both. We'll go PT first. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I wanted to be a physical therapist since the age of like 15. I was a ballet dancer my whole life. I started at like the age of three and I was like the the nerdy one that was always in the front because I was so freaking tiny. And so I was injured all the time though, because all that time, nobody knew I had scoliosis. Nobody knew I had like all these issues and things like that. Never had pain though. And I never had like any problems there, but I always remember my dance teacher was like, one leg's longer than your other one, fix it. And I'm like, I don't know how to fix that. And so it was just like this whole thing when I was a kid and learning. And then when I was 14, I started to roll my right ankle a lot because I was dancing on point. So I was always on my toes and it was like six days a week, several hours a day. And it was just like consistent training day after day after day. And I really was uneducated on the fact that like when you roll your ankle as a ballet dancer, you don't just tape it up and then go back and perform more. Like there's things that you can do to prevent that from getting worse and things that you can do to prevent it from ruining your career. Because at the age of like 13 and 14, I was like, I want to be a ballet dancer. And then I realized I wanted to be a physical therapist in the ballet. And that's kind of like where I was starting my path because I wanted to do things that were outside of like medication and outside of surgery. And I wanted to help people keep up with their career and just keep dancing because it was such an obsession of mine. And it was just a beautiful thing for my emotions to come out. And it was just really fun. But I had a really terrible instance where I ended up actually tearing a ligament in my ankle. And I was 15 years old and I went to this Polish physical therapist at that point because I couldn't dance, like literally couldn't walk on it at that time because it was a partial tear and it was just so painful. It was terrible. 
and they put me in a boot at the orthopedic and then they sent me back to like dance and they made me sit and watch like the practices and things like that and it's kind of like in sports when you can't perform you sit there and you critique all the other performers but it was just like I was sitting there in tears because they were like you can't dance and I was like well how long and the orthopedic told me you know you'll never dance again I'm 15, by the way. And so I was just like, oh my gosh, like shit, my whole life has just ended. My career's over. I'm not going to be able to go to a dance academy, not going to be able to perform. Like, this is what I do for like everything. It's my emotional release. It's my physical release. It's everything. So I went to this Polish guy and uh, I always like give him kudos for like where I am in my career now because we still talk frequently. And he's probably like the sole reason I am where I am in women's health, but also just like physical therapy in general because he was just a really cool, like I walked in, knew exactly what was wrong with me kind of therapist. Didn't even have to touch me, didn't even have to ask me any questions, knew I was a ballet dancer, knew I had back pain, knew I had all these things. And he went into like this, this whole evaluation. Like at that time, I didn't understand what that meant. I didn't know what like an assessment was. I didn't know what range of motion was or any of that stuff. But everything that he did was really cool because he wouldn't necessarily, he never said that I had to stop dancing. He was just like, if we strengthen this, you can do this. If we do this, you can do this. And he's like, I'm going to teach you how to strengthen your ankles and rehab your ankles so that you can get back to dance. And within eight weeks, I was back performing. And so that was really powerful for me because I was in this distraught position. Of course, I like walked my happy ass back into the orthopedics office. And I was just like, you told me I never dance again. Well, here we are. Here's a ticket to my show. Of course, he didn't come, but I gave it to him. And it was just like a really fascinating story because now I look back and I, I can see what it's like for my clients that have to be told that they can't do something and what the true value of physical therapy is. It's literally giving you your life back. And it's a really incredible thing. And I always like tear up when I talk about it because I remember that 15 year old girl and like how distraught I was. And then this physical therapist stepped in and like changed the game for me. And then I went in and saw him a year later because I had my wisdom teeth cut out. And then after I had my wisdom teeth cut out, I got lockjaw, <laughs> uh, TMJ, migraines. It was like this whole, it was terrible. I could not talk. I could not eat. I could not do anything. And I had just this massive amount of pain in my jaws. And I went to an orthodontist, the guy that took my teeth out, my wisdom teeth. And he was just like, try physical therapy. I don't know if it'll work. And of course I'm like, physical therapy? what the hell did I do for Jaws, but whatever. And so I went to the same guy because he's the only one I knew and the only one I trusted. And at that point, he hired me as a technician to kind of just be in the clinic and things like that as he was treating me. So it was kind of cool because I got to see how he treated other dysfunctions. And in just three visits, my jaw pain was completely gone. And I didn't have migraines and things like that. And so he treated me for those two things, which again, were pretty detrimental to like my life at that time. And then that's what sparked my interest in physical therapy in a sense of like, I knew that's what I was meant to do. I wanted to have the manual healing power. He was a manual therapist. I wanted to have the ability to communicate and understand clients without pushing meds or pushing surgeries and things like that. And then when I was 17, he had always told me, he was like, you should look into women's health and all this stuff. So we're taking the road from, I knew I wanted to be a physical therapist. And then the seed that was planted in women's health I always say that I never wanted to do it because I didn't. I actually never wanted to be a women's health physical therapist. If you would have told me when I got into PT school where you are right now that I was going to be doing what I'm doing today, talking about vaginas openly, I would have laughed in your face. Uh, that's just not something that I saw myself doing at all. But when I was 17, he had mentioned to me because I went to him, we became really good friends and I was working for him and I had told him about this 
and if you follow me on social media, you kind of like know my story and things like that. I had urinary incontinence and pelvic pain from a sexual assault that had occurred. And so I went and I talked to him about this and I was telling him about like all of my symptoms and things and he had mentioned women's health, but I didn't really know that that was a real thing at that time. I was just like, oh, physical therapy is for sports rehab. I want to work with ballerinas and things like that. Went all the way through undergrad, took me forever to get into PT school. That's a story for another day. You can find that podcast on pre-PT grind. Uh, <laughs> but that was a hot mess of trying to get into PT school. But once I got accepted in the PT school, I still wanted to work with dancers, never knew I wanted to do pelvic floor. And then I graduated from PT school, took my first job, and they asked within that first month if I was interested in pelvic floor. And I said, no, but they sent me anyways. So I went to the first course, I became obsessed because it fixed my own dysfunction. I was a model in the class uh, and I haven't peed myself and I have been able to manage like all of the pelvic pain and everything. And so I became obsessed with that. And that's what I've kind of curated my practice around. But that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> and now here you are. <laughs> and, here, and here I am 500 minutes later. And everybody that knows me knows I can talk, talk, talk. So you just cut me off when you need me to. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> so for the people who don't really know like what you do now, can you mm -hmm. tell people like, what you've been up to since you graduated PT school and what that journey has been like to today? Yeah. So I graduated PT school, like I said, in 2016. I took my first job. I burn out six months later, unfortunately. I hate to say that, but it's just the honest truth. I burn out, I was sick, I hated it, and I regretted my decision of being a PT. But there's a silver lining, because <laughs> if that wouldn't have happened, I actually really appreciate the experience that I had. The reason I burn out was because I was seeing way too many clients. And I was going in between orthopedic and women's health at the same time, so I couldn't really niche down and deal with only the clients that I was truly passionate about helping. And so what I did from there, about two years after my first job is when I quit. And then I did home health for a couple months. Didn't really like that either. It just wasn't for me. I really enjoyed like the clients and the flexibility of home health and it was able to pay the bills. So I was appreciative of that, but I still knew something was missing. And so I hired a mentor, a coach. I'm sure everybody's heard of Greg Todd. That's who I found. And I started my own practice in August of 2018, and here we are going into the second year of that, which is really exciting. And I started my practice around postpartum athletes because those are the women that I'm truly passionate about helping. So I specialize in treating CrossFit athletes or high-level athletes, technically, anybody that's had a baby or is pregnant to eliminate any of the shame and guilt that's around their pelvic floor dysfunction, whether that be urinary incontinence, whether that be pelvic pain, diastasis recti, whatever those issues might be that are limiting them from truly loving their body postpartum and being able to succeed and reach PRs. And that's where I'm at now. Oh my gosh, I absolutely love that. And just knowing knowing you for quite a bit of time and mm -hmm. seeing your growth from, you know, the beginning and where you are today is just so inspiring. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's really great to see your journey. Sorry if I'm gonna be a little scatterbrained for this episode, but you were in your job and mm -hmm got burnt out and what made you want to, you know, start your own practice and go down that or really be in that entrepreneur realm? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great question. You know, the burnout honestly is exactly what the pain was that led me to doing what I do now. 
And I say that because I was in and out of the hospital a lot. Like I was very sick and I am the type of person, I'm a workaholic and I, I recognize that hundred percent. If you know me personally, you know, I will not stop until like what I want to do is done. And I have to learn a lot of times to set boundaries and, and all of those things. But I realized I had no personal development in my life. And I realized that I was just going to work, hating everything that I did. And that was not fair to my clients. I was being incredibly selfish to go there to try to provide a service that I wasn't even believing in myself to provide. So I stopped doing that because I felt that I was doing more, not necessarily harm, but I wasn't really helping anyone because I wasn't passionate about it. So I stopped doing that because they weren't getting the full what Kaylee has to offer. And I'm a pretty cool person. Like people like to hang out with me clients love me. So it's just like, I wasn't going to keep like going and showing up to this thing that wasn't giving me joy. So I stopped there. And then I realized that the only way the lifestyle that I wanted, I had this difficult decision. Did I want to continue to do physical therapy or did I need to find something else? And I came to the point, I truly love to treat. Like I love to be with clients. I love to be in a room with people. I love to have conversations with people. If you left me at home all day to work from home all day, I'm just like, mm -mm. like <laughs> I get bored. You all know I talk a lot. So if I don't have anybody to talk to, it's a problem. So I truly love to treat, but I had to really set like a goal. Like how many clients am I willing to treat? And am I able to make that happen? And when I realized talking to other entrepreneurs in the area or clinic owners, nobody was going to allow me to only see 10 to 15 clients a week or reimburse me for that for what I'm worth. So I realized the only way that I would be able to do anything that I wanted to do and value the client as much as I wanted to was going to be do my own thing. And so that's why I started my business. And I started it curated around what I wish I had when I had pelvic floor dysfunction because I had all these questions. Nobody told me there were answers. I was told I was crazy to have pain with sex. I was told I was, you know, it was normal to pee yourself. So I never knew that there was help out there. And so now my goal and my job with my, I don't even call it a job, like my, my daily life, my life just involves helping women understand that there's like, there's understanding in that and there's no need to be shamed about it. So there's help and, and that's what I do. So I started it because you can't find that anywhere else. And I really, truly love empowering and advocating for women and understanding, you know, that pelvic floor dysfunction can be fixed. It doesn't have to be something that you live with, but no other employer in the area that I'm at anyways, was going to give me that opportunity to create something like that. And unfortunately, I would never have gotten any money for it. <laughs> and I was also asked by my mentor, my coach, what it would be if I were able to do, what would I do every day for free? And that's what I built my business around. And so it's kind of a cool like journey now because I still love it just as much. I've been doing it over a year and I'm not, I'm not burnt out. Um, I see maximum 20 clients a week like 20 visits. And I don't let myself go past that because again, that's taking me out of who I know I am to give a hundred percent. So the only way that I can have that lifestyle though, is if I created it on my own and I had to figure out how many clients do I want to see in a week? What am I comfortable doing and how much time and how many visits do I truly need to give them so that I'm not over or under utilizing their time too. So yeah, that's, that's really what built like that, my business. I love your business um, and the what you said about you know Greg asking you what would you do for free every day and you built it around that and that's incredible I want to divert a little bit you said you know you had all these questions about pelvic mm -hmm. floor dysfunction and what you were experiencing and no one was giving you answers so 
during PT school, did you find that was exacerbating your symptoms? Like what was the stress of PT school like while you were having all this go on? Uh, oh boy. I still have PTSD, I think, from PT school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we feel it. <laughs> uh, um, it's, I loved PT school for the fact that it taught me like the basics and the things that I needed to know, but it 100% exacerbated my symptoms. And that was only because I was not educated that pelvic floor dysfunction was a thing. I was not educated that what I was going through and dealing with was normal. And for anyone out there listening, I happened to go to a school that was very manual therapy based. I went to the University of St. Augustine and I'm not knocking them at all. It's just not their school of thought. We don't have pelvic floor PT as part of the curriculum, which I personally believe needs to be a part of every curriculum. And I'm hoping to see that eventually, like in all of the schools to kind of adapt that. But yes, so the stress, because what I know now as a clinician who treats pelvic floor dysfunction, increased stress, increased overwhelm, anxiety, lack of sleep, lack of hydration. If you're like me, you party a little more than normal because you want to just forget about the world in PT school. And little things like that are actually irritants to your bladder, which can increase your incontinence. And I had so much more pain because my, my whole nervous system was already heightened from having pelvic pain that I went to school and then I would have all of the anxiety attacks and the panic that went along with it. And if, again, you follow my story, you know, I talk about mental health a lot because that's a big part of my journey. But I did not realize at that time, the correlation of having more stress, more anxiety, more depression was actually contributing to having more symptoms in my pelvic floor as well. And so that's a huge deep dive of what I conversate with my clients about now is what's your stress level and how can we manage that better? And I tell students all the time, if I talk to students that are in PT school and if they're interested in PT, women's health PT or not, if you have pelvic floor dysfunction, stress management needs to be a huge factor and a huge priority in going through grad school because if you don't, it will get worse. So we've gotta be able to kind of like go through and sift through those things that are contributing to that. But absolutely it exacerbated it because I was not knowledgeable in pelvic floor, but I also was not knowledgeable in personal development and understanding the importance of self-care. So I would wake up at five o'clock and I would study till midnight and that was just my life like you'd go to school you eat sometimes sometimes you work out and then you study 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 but I didn't understand the importance of meditation relaxation breathing time blocking scheduling and all of those things so yeah absolutely and again that's no one's fault except I was just uneducated on it because I wasn't in a situation where I was offered the education for it you don't know what you don't know and that's all it comes down to yeah yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say something very similar and it's good that you're mentioning these things because all of, I mean, all the things that come with being a student is, is hard and that's what, that's what amplifies other, you know, other issues that you may, ha may be having, whether that was a previous injury or if you are having, for anybody listening, if you have had any pelvic floor dysfunction and knowing that you know, you're not alone and making sure that you're incorporating these practices are really important. But I'm glad you brought that up because that definitely needed to be said. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to kind of admit. And I think that that's another big thing around pelvic floor dysfunction. There's just so much shame and guilt around it. Like people don't want to admit to it. You know what I mean? Like nobody wants to be the person that says I have painless sex. Like, it's just not a fun thing to admit. It's not like saying I tore my rotator cuff. I mean, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's just a different kind of stigma and unfortunately has such a negative stigma around it. And so we've got to be a little bit more cautious, especially in school, understanding the communication because your clients can be suffering like I did for 10 plus years. And your clients can be sitting across from you, technically lying to you, telling you they have nothing wrong with them except for their shoulder. But if you don't ask the question and if you don't care enough about them to know, they're going to just continue to suffer silently. And from a perspective of a patient and now a clinician, that is not something that needs to be in physical therapy. We need to break that mold. Like we need to be asking the questions. You don't have to be a pelvic floor PT to ask someone if they're leaking with exercise. You don't have to be a pelvic PT to ask someone if they have uh, pelvic pain. If they happen to have chronic pelvic pain, you're damn right it's related to their back pain they're having too. You've gotta ask those questions and you gotta be comfortable doing it. And again, what I find is just we don't know what we're not necessarily taught, we're not necessarily given those step-to-step -step guides, but that's something that you're going to learn with critical thinking when you get the cases that you can't really solve, or you get the cases that are SI joint related, but they're not getting better. And then you're going to start to notice and connect dots like, oh, I'm curious, have you ever had like, you know, babies? Like what was your pregnancy like and things like that? And if they've had three kids and they have like full on prolapse, which is where tissue comes to the outside of the vagina, then it's pretty possible that that pressure is causing their back pain or their SI joint pain. So it's just really important that you understand now the communication of that is like, that's the biggest thing I think I missed from PT school. Nobody taught me how to communicate to a client. <laughs> I was getting out in here and I was just like, yeah, well, the PT journal says that I need to touch here and I need to do a grade three mobilization. And then I need to follow up with this. And then you need to do single leg squats times 500. That's what the journal says. And like, as a student, I mean, how real is that? It's so true, isn't it? And then now I'm realizing the importance of just listening to my freaking client. <laughs> like they're gonna tell me exactly what's happening. And that's the biggest thing I think I missed was I did not know how to communicate or ask those questions. And it's like Gabby said, that's probably one of the most important things you can do for a client. I will say female, I only treat females, but men also deal with pelvic floor dysfunction. But it's just something that needs to be, you need to be aware of it. Because if they come to you and they tell you something and you're just like, oh, well, that's not what's going on. And you just like shun them off. You're that other doctor that's telling them that it doesn't matter. So they're going to go suffer with it more. And I've been on both sides of that. So don't do that. <laughs> and for when you actually talked about your own pelvic dysfunction, like yeah. how was that approached from that PT? Like how did he go about it? How should people be going about it if they're having, maybe they have a clinical rotation and they have to have that conversation with someone who had a spinal cord injury about like, I don't know, different sex positions or like safe things to be doing. How do people go about that? The biggest mistake that I see made before I go into that is like people will stay on their documentation system because we're uncomfortable to ask the questions. So we pretend to be typing and we like won't look at the client. But the most powerful thing for me when I was 17 and that clinician asked me if I had a trauma background or what had happened and I broke down in his office, he shut his computer and he just sat there with me and he just said, have you had an experience? Are you, are you having pelvic pain, like pain where those, you know, areas are like, are you having leakage? Are you having any constipation? Like what's going on? Cause you're acting different. Or when I do low back mobs or when he was doing anything SI joint related, I was very like, Oh, you know, like, don't, don't, don't go near me. Like, I don't want to deal with that. So the recommendation that I always tell people or students that come through is just 
you want to come about it making them as comfortable as possible. Never force them to tell you anything. But if you don't ask the question, they're never given the opportunity to be honest about it. So don't look at your computer, don't look at your phone, don't look at their documentation, look at them and see first body language. You can tell a lot about a female or a male when and the way they're sitting. Like for instance, a client that has prolapse will not wanna sit down for long because it's gonna kinda hurt, it's not gonna be comfortable. Just little things like that, and I don't expect you to know that, but just be mindful of body language. If they're shut off, like you know, crossing their arms all the time, if they don't wanna ever talk to you about anything, and if you say something about, you know, a big question about like people get people ask me all the time like how do you ask about like if they've had trauma there's no healthy or easy way to ask that question but you have to ask it so the way that I do it is I say and I put my computer away I put everything away and I literally just lean forward and I just listen to them and I say is there any experience in your past or anytime recently that you've experienced any sort of sexual trauma or abuse and just let it sit for a second because they're gonna be kind of like uh no and a lot of times i will say they most of the time will lie they're going to lie to on that first visit they will eventually tell you the truth you'll see it and it's pretty obvious when they lie because they'll say no look away or little things like that and i've been studying a lot about that recently which is kind of interesting to know because i know i did that too i was like no nothing ever you know and just like look away we're good let's go do the exercises and then you go into the questions of, you know, do you have any experiences? And you can call it urinary incontinence if you don't want to say peeing. I just say peeing because people understand what I mean all the time. Are you having any experiences of urinary incontinence with exercise? Do you leak when you cough, laugh, sneeze, or jump? Do you have pain with intercourse? You don't even have to say the word sex. You never have to say the word vagina. You don't have to say vulva, labia, clitoris, whatever. All you have to do is just ask the question and you can do it as your normal like medical history. And for the students that are really uncomfortable with it, what I recommend is either having a flashcard or a part in the intake paperwork where you actually write it out. So that way they answer it and you don't have to be the one to ask about it unless they check yes. So if they say, yes, I leak with exercise, the only follow-up question you would really need to say before referring out to a pelvic PT would be, well, how often does that happen? And if you're not comfortable asking that, that's fine. I noticed you checked yes when, you, when I asked if you leaked with exercise. So I'm gonna make a referral to our pelvic floor PT just to have a conversation with you about how they might be able to help. And that's it. And you don't have to do anything that's uncomfortable. And as far as like the spinal cord injury, that is going to go with comfort as well. I will say I did a neuro rotation in school and it was really kind of powerful to know and have the knowledge of sexual positions and help with like erectile dysfunction and like the difficulties with using a catheter, like to have that knowledge changed their life because they didn't have to share that with two different PTs. So it's important that if you're comfortable enough with it, go ahead and learn those steps because you don't know how powerful that can be for a client because you gotta put yourself in their shoes. They don't know, they can't really help themselves in that form, they don't know what to do and they're coming to you for help and if they open up to you about it, you better have a resource to help them. So there's lots of resources online with things like that. You can always, now if you're neuro, physical therapy trained, you typically will have a little bit of like coursework and knowledge on what to say and how to do because that is a big factor, unfortunately, with spinal cord injuries when it comes to like incontinence catheters and things like that. But you always want to have those follow up questions and you always have to ask the question. And it's not something that you need to make uncomfortable. They're already uncomfortable. Like nobody wants you to ask them if they're peeing with exercise. <laughs> I mean, it's just not, it's not a comfortable thing. But if you ask them, that's going to trigger them to say, oh, Maybe that's not something that should happen.
maybe I need to talk to them about that eventually. And then three, four visits down the road, they're going to say, actually, I do kind of leak a lot of times when I run. I know you asked me that on the first time. I don't know if that's a normal thing. And then you can kind of move forward from there. And that's a lot of how I built my clientele when I was an orthopedic PT first, because I treated mostly ortho for the first two years of my practice. Uh, not in my practice now, but when I started as a PT. And that's kind of how I started to like pull people over because it was the low back pain cases that were never asked about prolapse or the low back pain and SI joint cases that were never asked about pregnancies and things like that. And, uh, you know, abortions and miscarriages and all those things can affect all of that. So just being really mindful to ask the question, but do it in a way that's not making anybody uncomfortable because you if you're not trained in doing it, you're not going in to do a pelvic exam. All you're doing is making the client understand that you are a you know, doctor, you have a degree that understands that this is something that can be treated and you're gonna be the one to offer them a resource that can help. So that's the really like the biggest thing and advice I have there. And I'd be more than happy to go into more detail about that at some point if you guys reach out. There's a lot into that. <laughs> Those are all so good and Everyone who's listening, especially if you are a student going on clinical rotations, these are the questions that, that you have to be thinking about. And mm-hmm. honestly, it, it really makes me more aware now when I go into uh, you know, my next rotation and, and ask your CI, like, bring these questions up because they'll, I think they'll be really appreciative of knowing that you're thinking beyond <laughs> and and ask them and say, how do I approach this? I can ask the question, but if they, if they give me a response, it's like, what, what do you want me to do in this situation? Because you're not, you're still, you know, performing exams by yourself. But when it comes to these, it's like, it depends on the clinic and your CI and what, what they would do. So just always consult with your clinical instructor. Um, But these are really good things uh, to really consider. And um, I love that you do that. And all programs should have some sort of women's health. I know for my program, we we have an elective. And then we also had a day in our MSK class when, you, when we started talking about the pelvis and we had a pelvic mm-hmm. floor PT come in and do, although it was one lecture, I really liked it. And she she told us, it's like, you have to ask those questions. So yeah, you have to. And I, you know, I'm glad you brought that up. It is important to talk to your clinical instructor first, because I will say a lot of them don't ask those questions and it's not anything against them, but don't give them my name. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't really care. I'll talk to them, but don't like put yourself in a situation where it's going to cause you to get in trouble or anything like that. But it's always a good opportunity for you to just talk to them about why, why do you feel like we don't need to ask those questions? Don't challenge them by any means, but it's important for your own education going through a doctorate like program. I think we so often are taken away from the ability and the value of thinking because we just do what we're told to do. But if you think about it, you have no idea opening that door into that evaluation room, what that client's going through. And whether that is a pelvic floor dysfunction, which are always a little bit more personal, a little more intimate, or whether that is something going on at home or whether their mom just passed away or something like that, you never know what's going on. And I always approach a new situation like that because you need to be kind and compassionate and listen. And even if you don't have the ability or if your clinical instructor for some reason doesn't want you to ask those questions, that's fine. But just be mindful to be kind to them because you don't know what's going on. 
And I can say, you know, again, as a woman having pelvic pain, it takes away so much of who you are because it just makes you feel like you're less of a person. It is, you're just living with this thing that's really irritating and never goes away. And it's really frustrating. And so nobody ever asked me about it. Nobody ever told me there was help for it. And so when I realized that that's what the empowering thing was, was that one person that asked me those questions. And I realized that I didn't have to live that way if I didn't want to. And I, I had the choice to be able to get help for that. So sometimes that's all it takes is just mentioning, you know, that's not something that you have to live with. If you need any help with it, let me know. But until then, we're going to continue on there. But yeah, Gabby's absolutely right to ask your clinical instructor first. I'm a big advocate for always, always asking those questions. But again, I have to step back sometimes and understand everybody is a little bit different. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's important. And for the students who maybe they're actually experiencing this themselves, but they don't realize it until now we're talking about it. And they're like, wow, PT school has been fucking stressful. Yes. <laughs> it's causing all of these other things. What would you tell them are some small things? I know you kind of said some things that they can do to help, but like what are just a handful of things they can do during PT school to really help if they're having pain with sex, if they're having urinary incontinence, et cetera? First and foremost, hopefully you have like a clinician on staff that's like pelvic floor trained. If not, reach out to me and I'll find one for you. And we'll talk about how to like contact me, I'm sure at some point. But the main thing is really, especially if it's pain, especially if you're having pain with intercourse or if you're having new pelvic pain, and that can be pelvic pain once, pain with sex once, or you can have constant like dull throbbing, you can have sharp pains, anything in the pelvis region. If you're having that and you're in PT school, the best advice right now that you can do without having to spend any money, because I know we're all broke, but the thing that you can do is start adding in meditation every single day. And what I mean by that is actually like deep breathing. So deep breathing exercises not only calm down your entire nervous system, but they can actually help to relax the pelvic floor to let go of the tension that you're holding. If you think about it, we're all trained in kind of anatomy and biomechanics at this point, hopefully. You're going through, you know, as a woman, we don't have external genitalia between our legs. We stand up and you think some, like, our brain is like, oh, something's going to fall out of the hole that's just hanging out down there. Like, we, we're automatically always tensing. It's a tonic muscle. It's always holding on. It's kind of like, it's not always in a full Kegel, but it's almost always Kegeled. So you want to focus on relaxation, especially if you're dealing with pain. And the best way to do that is either on your back or in sitting in a meditation style, quiet room, five minutes max. Like you don't need to stress yourself out and be like, I need to do this six hours a day. That's ridiculous. But if you just sit there and you breathe in through your nose, thinking about how that diaphragm works, I use it as a study tactic for students now. When you take that breath in, your diaphragm expands, right? And it kind of like goes down and it moves down to allow for air to fill up into the lungs. Your pelvic floor or the bowl of your body needs to relax in that format. You need to take that deep breath in and let the pelvic floor relax. When you breathe out, your diaphragm contracts to help to push the breath back out through the mouth. So if you just focus on your breath and let your pelvic floor relax, a lot of times your pain will go away because we have the pudendal nerve and all of these different nerves that you can go and look at if you want to. And like, it, it's all over right where the pelvic floor is. And if you have tension already from standing and then you have nerves hanging out and then you're tensing even more against those nerves and you're never relaxing because now you're stressed and now you're like all you know anxious about everything all the time, you're only gonna continue to irritate the nerves. So we've gotta focus on the relaxation mode. So I say that and then I also say walking is a really great exercise. 
take away any stress that you might have as far as like, oh, I have to lift really heavy. I say that's, I know that's crazy, but if you have pelvic pain, you kind of want to just like down train a little bit, especially during those painful times. For me, for instance, I got more pain with finals and midterms and things like that. So what I did was I swam or I would walk and I would do like little hit body weight workouts instead of doing lifting because it kept me from over tensing because I was already tense because I was anxious and I didn't know if I was going to pass and I thought I was going to have to go be a trash man for the rest of my life. And it was just like all these things, but being really mindful to relax throughout your day. And adding in timers at some point, like whether it's between classes or something, I always had a little notification pop up on my computer there at the end. And it would just remind me, take five deep breaths. That's all. And I did that every three hours, all throughout my entire day, every single day. And one, it helped me stay less anxious. It helped me remind myself that it's not the end of the world, even though I'm really stressed right now. And then three, it reminded me that I'm tensing, way tensing my pelvic floor. And you're probably listening to this. And if you're a female, you're now realizing, oh, shit, I am holding a Kegel. Let it go, breathe, and let yourself relax. It's a great time to kind of really adjust and learn about your body because it's also at this point where you're going to realize when is the last time you ever paid attention to your pelvic floor. Like, have you looked at it in grad school? Do you even know what's going on down there? How should it function? Because those are the things that we're not really learning, right? So connect with your body, connect with your pelvic floor by learning to relax it before you learn how to contract it again, because you're already contracting with the stress and the anxiety and things like that. And of course, that's not always the case, no medical advice there, but really focusing on just that breath work and that meditation is going to be a really big deal. That's much appreciated because I, I know from my experience too, and from several classmates I've had this conversation with before, during finals, like you said, you may actually realize then, like mm -hmm. you're tensing so much. And I actually had several classmates, that was the time they would consistently get a UTI during yep. the finals. And that's not fun. No. <laughs> It's a big, big thing, you know, frequent and recurrent UTIs is actually a sign of pelvic floor dysfunction. So really being cautious of that. And another thing I'll mention too is constipation. Are you noticing more constipation during times of stress? Do you have IBS? Are you having frequent diarrhea? Those things are pelvic floor dysfunctions as well, and they can be helped with education on how to truly use your pelvic floor. But it all goes back to during grad school, how do I manage my stress and my anxiety better? because we all have stress. It's a very stressful time. I understand that, but we don't want it to contribute kind of like with me where I let it get to the point where it was just so bad that it was really hard to treat. So being really cautious about that and, and being mindful to relax, you know, and paying attention to those things, ask the right questions again about yourself and your own, like, oh, if I'm only constipated during finals, that's not a coincidence. <laughs> There's, you know, a lot of tensing going up. You can't let the poop out. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes no it's oh it's so true and yeah this is something to really think about and mm -hmm. reflect because finals and midterms happen every semester it's not gonna go away until you're done with school and then there's gonna be other life things and but figuring out early especially if you're just now noticing it or even if it's been an issue to address those and don't be ashamed to address Absolutely. those things. Absolutely. Yeah. And last question. 
I know you already gave a ton of advice to PT students, but maybe not related to the pelvic floor dysfunction, just like generally speaking, what would be the biggest piece of advice for a current PT student? You know, people ask me that a lot, and it's always a really hard one for me to answer because again, I could talk for about six hours on that question alone. I think I just need to have like a, um, what do they call it, a D-Rock? where the guy follows you around on video all day. And I just like all these thoughts that come up, I'm just going to start talking to somebody and being like, record that, record that, record that. So the best piece of advice though, um, for PT student, I always like to think of like what I would have needed to hear going through it myself when I give advice like that. And the really the biggest thing is don't get caught up in doing it the way that they're telling you it has to be done. Like understand that your dreams, your, your inspirations and the things that you truly want as a physical therapist in your why can actually happen. And you don't have to do it the way, you don't have to work for somebody else if you don't want to. You don't have to own your own business if you don't want to. You don't have to you know, treat 20 clients if you don't want to. You have dreams and you have the ability to dream. You're allowed to dream. So a thing that I wish that I had was taking every single week, like reflection time, because I do this now, but I wish I would have done this as a student and I would have reflected about my future. Like, what do I want that to look like? Because we get so caught up in time blocking, studying, you know, passing the test, doing the practicums, making sure our clinicals are all set up. Where are we going to live for clinicals? How are we going to eat ramen noodles this week? Like we get so caught up in all of those things that we forget to dream and let ourselves like explore what the world's going to look like when we're done. And I think like if I were a student again, that would have been like a game changer for the stress and anxiety that I was dealing with. If I would have given myself a half hour a week to just see myself on the outside and say, okay, what do I want my life to look like? What do I want to be like? What kind of person do I want to be? What kind of clinician do I want to be? A compassionate one? Or do I want to just, you know, a nine to five job? And that's fine too. Like, how do I want to be? And knowing those things so that you don't get caught up in the, I only have to study, I'm only doing this to study, I'm only learning, then I'm dumping. Then you're gonna see the clients that you wanna work with, you're gonna see the type of clinician you wanna be, and you're gonna train yourself to be that person by incorporating that 30 minutes a week of personal development, of visualizing what that lifestyle looks like, and it's gonna get you excited, and it's gonna be more motivation for you to continue to push. Because I got so caught up in like the stress and the anxiety and things that I just never, I never thought about what my life would look like after. I just thought about tomorrow <laughs> and passing and everything like that. I never gave myself the freedom or the permission to dream. So give yourself permission to do that. Have permission to dream. You want to work with horses? Do it. Like see it. Visualize it. Dream in it. Live in that. And it's going to be really, really much more fun going through grad school if you can always see your why at the end of it. We can just end it there. That was amazing. Oh my gosh, incredible. And like, thank you for speaking life into so many students because this has been such, such an episode with so much information and you are just the best. And we're so lucky to have had, have had you on today. So thank you, Kaylee, for oh. being you. Thank you for having me. Of course. And where can... Where can people reach out to you, especially from hearing everything from today? I'm everywhere, first of all. <laughs> or I try to be. I try to be. If I'm not there, let me know so I can be there. 
So you can find me on Facebook at Kaylee Garrett Zimmerman is the quickest way. That's my personal profile. And then on Instagram, I have two accounts, but the quickest one to get me is at postpartum underscore physio. So if you do that, you can direct message me or send me a message on Facebook. I get to those daily and that way I can kind of connect you with what we can. Or if you just need to have a conversation, if you need some uplifting, if you need some help with figuring out what to do next, or if you're just like, Hey, you said this on your, on the podcast and I just don't know what to do next. Like, I don't know how to incorporate that, or I'm struggling with pelvic floor dysfunction, or I have a client that has pelvic floor dysfunction. I'd love to be able to work with you on all of those things. It's truly a passion of mine to just, again, eliminate guilt and shame in the whole realm of it. So just reach out to me on either Facebook or Instagram, and I would love to have a conversation with you. Perfect. Thank you so much again, Kaylee. We appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for giving me the, uh, the talk show for the day. Of course. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Gratitude, the grad school guide for student physical therapists. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our Instagram and Facebook page linked in the description.